Welcome everybody to Damage Radio, heard here live on MonkaRadio.com, where music and minds meet. You already know me, I'm RC, and for today's Labor Day episode, we go back in time. July 13th, 2015 to be exact, when me and the Ultimate Kiss fan, Matt Porter, had the privilege of talking with current AEW superstar QT Marshall to promote his documentary being shot live at Maka Radio Station called The Wrestler, A QT Marshall Story. We happened to have a scene in this documentary. As well, we had up Monster Factory's own Danny Cage and current WWE superstar and Monster Factory alumni Damian Priest. This is one episode that you do not want to miss. So enjoy and get completely damaged. Welcome everyone to Damage Radio, heard here live on MoncoRadio.com, where music and minds meet. You know me, I'm RC, alongside Matt Porter, and what a special show we have for you today. We have the head coach and owner of the Monster Factory, Danny Cage, in the building, as always. Danny, welcome, man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. And we have a Ring of Honor star, Monster Factory, one of the trainers, and God's gift to professional wrestling, QT Marshall in the building. QT, thanks for coming up. Thank, thank you for having me. Right, guys, man, how was the trip up, man? Not bad, not bad. It's a nice day, too, so uh, I actually drove with the windows down for a little bit. Nice, and they actually had parking, too. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. <laughs> Twice in a row, man. I'm spoiled. He, he was a lot luckier than me. I got stuck behind a tractor trailer through a construction zone on the PA Turnpike, so oh, no. added a good 15 minutes to my trip, but that's all right. We made it. That's all that matters. That's, that's right, man. And uh, QT, take us back to the beginning, man. Uh, was there a certain match, feud, or wrestler that got you hooked in professional wrestling? Yeah, that's easy. Uh, Razor Ramon versus Rick Martel for the Intercontinental Championship on Monday Night Raw. Wow. And it was Razor Ramon that I, you know, was just in awe of. I mean, he was the bad guy. He was cool, you know. So that was that was in 93, and that's right when uh, baseball was just about to go on strike in 94. So it was an easy transition for me to go from being a, a diehard baseball fan to a diehard WWF fan. Now, is that how you wanted your gimmick to be? Like, was it hard to, to figure out how you wanted your gimmick to be when you saw Razor, or you wanted to be, like, the bad guy? Uh, believe it or not, I wanted to be like Shawn Michaels. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was just, you know, really into everything that he did. You know, he was so athletic and just always put on the best matches and stuff. And, uh, you know, I try to add a little bit of everyone into all the stuff that I do. Now, Danny, when you first saw QT, uh, what was your impressions of him? Uh he was, you know, a little chubby, out of shape kid, um, and he. But he was, uh, he listened and uh, very. It was funny because, like, when you look at him now, and I know who he is, like I know what he was doing then, because like he was very overly polite back then. So like he was like kind of playing the game back <laughs> then as well. Yeah, I got a uh, a quick tip from Dangerous Dawn Marie, who was friends with my mother, and she told me. First thing she showed me was how to shake hands as a professional wrestler, which is not, you know, in existence nowadays. But then uh, also yeah, the, she told the me the gentle handshake, the very gentle <laughs> handshake, the worker handshake. Yes. And then she told me uh, basically just keep your mouth shut and your ears open and, you know, you won't get in trouble. and You won't get beat up. So I was always scared of getting beat up. So that was uh, pretty easy for me to do. Oh, geez. No, is this in the house, Luis, the Punisher Martinez. Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Thanks now, for having me. I just asked QT, uh, take us back to the beginning. What was a certain match in your career that, you know, that got you hooked on professional wrestling or a feud? Uh, how I became a... Uh, like, you know, one, one match that, uh, you know, a wrestler that got you hooked and wanted to be a professional wrestler. Uh, I lived in Puerto Rico, and uh, I just remember seeing uh, a segment that involved The Undertaker and The Ultimate Warrior, 
and the ultimate warrior being put in a casket and he couldn't get out and couldn't breathe and everybody was rushing trying to open it and i just got intrigued by it not even the wrestling it was that and then i was swift, uh, flipping channels and they had an english and in spanish and i was like oh this is the coolest thing ever i mean this is real i mean look at what's going on it's on multiple channels i called my mom i was like mom look at this and i'm changing the channels and she'll stop changing the channels because then she wanted to see what was happening and then since that day i just uh every week became a fan and i loved wrestling from that day forward Danny, how about um, your first impressions of the Wees? Uh the biggest, biggest could be. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, it was fun too because, like, looking back, like, uh, you put up one of those matches that we had. Yeah. QT put up a match. It was me and him tag teaming. Wow. against Luis and Nasty Nick, and it was, what was it, 2004? Yeah, 2004. And it was just so funny because, uh, you know, just to look back because, like, that I didn't remember everything about that match until, like, it came up. But it was a fun match. We, you know, they're so funny to look back now because, like, we were probably, like, afterwards, like, this was the greatest match ever. And now we, now we look at it, we're Where's like... my contract? And now we look at it, we're like, God, this was awful. Yeah, but to our defense, I mean, we... You know, as babyface, we listened to the heels, and they, yeah, we, yeah. we didn't call anything beforehand, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, you know? that was true. That like, was we didn't rule. get the call before, so uh, Luis really dropped the ball. No, to my out. defense, oh. <laughs> to my defense, <laughs> Nasty Nick one. was the vet, and right. he was the one calling the match. Right, so right. He, was, he was the vet. Yep. The so next, next, next fault. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why I popped him a couple times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, it was a. Uh, it was. It's fun to look back at that, and it's and especially like to look at the crowd and the ring and like. Oh, man. man, like everything was just a mess back then. Like it really was. Like I mean, the ring was like falling apart, and like the the building was the crap. That wasn't that painful. Yeah, paintball, paintball invasion in Winslow, mm-hmm. and it was like a greasy floor. And like I did everything that I tell our kids not to do, like dangerous wise. Like I'm diving over the top rope to the concrete, taking bumps like diving a close over the top rope. I know, really, not even padded. Oh. Um, yeah, because Luis just did a dive, so he's just, you know. The Danny Cage now would have. Oh, yeah, oh, I would have flipped out. Um, that's why I tell the kids not to do that stuff, because uh, my body's shot from doing stupid stuff. But uh, it's just fun to look back and um, seeing Luis and, and QT progress so much from, like, then till now, it's, like, awesome. I'm kind of jealous because, like, I can't get in the ring and do anything anymore, really. But I'm also kind of glad I don't, because then I also see how sore they are the next day. <laughs> And I'm just like, what's wrong with you guys? Like, nice. come on, man. We got training to do. Yeah. Slackers. Okay, do you trained at the Monster Factory and also with uh, Devon and Bubba Ray. Yes. Uh, talk a bit about the different training styles. Um, the Monster Factory is where I, I always say that I learned my fundamentals. And uh, that's like the, the greatest foundation I could have ever gotten. Then I went down to Bubba and Devon's. I always thought that that was like a good foot in the door somewhere. Um then I started training there, and I, I honestly only went there because I thought it would be a foot in the door. And then I realized when I got there how smart you know, Bubba really was when it came to psychology, ring psychology. And at that point, I was already advanced. So that's basically what I did. I trained four nights a week there, um, just doing matches in front of Bubba. I, I got off the independent circuit altogether. And he, I mean, he sat there with a notebook, and pen, and pens, you know, pen and pad, just wrote down every little detail and fine-tuned everything. So that way, when it was my chance to go back to the independent scene, you know, I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew how to get over and, uh, you know, take my career to the next level. So how does it work out? You, you know, you go there, you talk to them. It's like an interview process to see uh, if you're... Yeah, I mean, I was there as soon as the school opened. So we went there. Um, you know, he gave you like an evaluation match with someone that he had already known beforehand. 
uh, who actually just showed up to the Monster Factory, I believe. Jay, his name is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did my match with him. I was a baby face, and then he put me in the ring with someone else as a heel, which I'd never worked heel, like one time, I think. And uh, he was like, you're a heel. Be a heel. Don't don't be a baby face, which is funny because, you know, my personality, I'm a heel. So it worked <laughs> out. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he and he helped me out with the gimmick and all the other stuff that I started doing down there. And, you know, one thing led to another. And then, uh, you know, we, we – Figured out that it was time to move on and, you know, just take my career to the next level from there. Nice. Luis, where did you train at? The Monster Factory. And talk about your initial, initial when you first walked in the door. What were your thoughts? <laughs> 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 we got time, man. We got time. <laughs> no, when I first joined, the school was in Westville. Yeah, I think it was Westville. Yeah, and uh, it was two small rings, you know, box rings that were like three inches off the ground. They felt like Ten con- by ten. Yeah, they felt like concrete in a small, tight space. But to me, I didn't, you know, to me, that was awesome. You know, I'm getting inside of a ring. You know, Larry was, was owning the Monster Factory at the time, and uh, he basically took, a, uh, took care of everything paperwork-wise. And then that was it. I started training. It took me about a year before I had my first match. Um, like UT said, it's the best place. You know, it, it was just fundamentals and just the little things and, and perfecting the little things for almost about a year before I even got to perform in front of a crowd. Talk about that first match. You know, the, the adrenaline, I can assume, was crazy. Do you remember who it was against? Your theme music and all that stuff? I had no music. Nice. I was the first person out the curtain as a face. And uh, it was a fire hall in Delaware. And I walked out and everybody just looked at me. It was the most awkward feeling in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I was standing in tights with no shirt on. And everybody's just staring at me. I'm like, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> and then I don't remember. I, none of the kid's name was Joe. I can't remember his last name. The guy kid I worked. And... Uh, uh, match went well. I don't remember much about it. I, I drew a blank and almost fainted afterwards, but uh, <laughs> I was so nervous. But now uh, it went well, and you know, the fans received me well. And then from that moment forward, I was like, all right, I could do this. Nice. You know? How about you, Keith? Do you remember your debut match? I do. Just watched it the other night when uh, we were going over it for the documentary. Uh, it was against superstar Rodney Farr, and we both wore almost identical <laughs> gear, black and white singlets, black and white boots. They were just reverse colors. Uh where mine was white, his was black, and vice versa. And, uh, you know, just went out there, and he called everything, and I threw one of the worst clotheslines I've ever done in my life, and probably but, but anyone has ever done. But thought it was pretty, you know. No, I knew then it was terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I knew then it was terrible. Um, I wasn't expecting to have him tell me to throw a clothesline. So, uh, you know, but looking back on it, I mean, it wasn't terrible. You know, it just wasn't. You know, it wasn't Triple H's first match that he had on his DVD. His was actually really good in, like, 30 minutes, you know. But uh, for what it was, you know, I was happy. I was only training at that time. I started in March, and that was in June, so it was, like, three months in. And uh, I think it was because I told them I could get, like, 25 people to come to the show. So they were like, oh, yeah, you can have a match. And I was like, all right, cool. Main event. Yeah, Yeah. this is the way it works, you know. So, you know, I don't know if I was uh, ready, as they say, but I don't think you ever are. I think, you know, you just got to sink or swim, and that's it. Yeah. Now, let's talk a little about, about Monster Factory then compared to now Danny Cage <laughs> running it, man. You got It looks like the NXT Center. Yeah. Uh, the Monster Factory then, like I started with uh, in Westville as well. Now, when I got there, there were two rings, but one of them didn't even have ropes. Right. So the first one had no ropes. That was more or less like the chaining area where you just learned how to do chain wrestling and bumps. And, um, you know, I looked at it, and I said, wow, this is a real, you know, sh- bad place i almost uh slipped broke the rule but uh <laughs> yeah it wasn't anything that you know but it, it was a ring and i remember going there on sundays when no one else would go and i was there by myself 
And I was like, I don't care. You know, this is what I want to do. And I'll wrestle myself if I have to. And, you know, practice and practice and practice. And it was cool. I mean, the bumps did hurt, you know, especially compared to the rings that we use now. I mean, now it's it's a state-of-the-art facility, you know. Mm-hmm. It's in a vintage building. That's what I like to say. It's in a vintage building from the outside. But when you walk in, you know, and you see our where our rings are and everything else, I mean, it's just, it's it's not a warehouse like everyone else's schools. You know, even Bubba and Devon's, their school is in a in a giant gym down in Kissimmee, Florida. But it's just a ring in a room. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's not, uh, granted, you do have access to that full gym, but it's not like we have. I mean, if you're not in the ring, you could be doing sprints. You could be doing a whole bunch of other stuff outside, circuits and stuff. It's completely different, you know. And I think it shows by the, the talent that we have now compared to what we had then. Mm-hmm. Back then it was a lot of, you know, guys like Nasty Nick and Superstar Rodney Farr. Nothing against them, but they were just, you know, pro wrestlers they weren't athletes yeah. you know and what we're trying to do now is have the best athletes you know that can wrestle um, yeah. now danny were, were the photos that are on the walls always there or when did you, when did you start putting them up oh, i just thought right when we moved in but but those pictures came from the the original monster factory when i mean when i came to the monster factory my first tryout was in clementon and uh at the route 30 marketplace which was awesome it had two rings and it was like five thousand square feet then that place shut down. So then what Larry did was he basically would would go and find buildings that were for rent or for rent. And he'd say, are you, you know, looking to rent this? And they'd say, yeah. And he's like, how long have you been open looking to rent it? And he'd, they'd be like, you know, a couple of months. He goes, well, I'll pay the fire insurance and let us stay here. And as soon as you have a tenant who wants to come in, we'll move. So every couple of months, the building was moving. <laughs> so that was the problem. He never had roots down. Like pictures just stayed in boxes. <laughs> And, you know, it was a good way to work the system, but it's a crappy way to get your name and, and try to put roots down because no one knows what a monster factory is. That's why once when I took over and had to get everything registered, there was like 10 different listings for the monster factory all over the place. I thought you were in Belmar. I thought you were in Westville. I thought you were in Mantra. I thought you were in Deford. I thought you were in Clementon. I thought you were in yeah. Mount Holly. So, um, so I just took all them and we had them in storage. And then once we got it, I they were all in rusty bronze frames and everything like that and glass broke and so i just re- got a bunch of new frames all the same frames and rehung them up and you know it just adds to the history of the whole building and everything it's uh you know i'm just i'm just glad to be a part of the history and it's uh it's surreal to walk in there like yesterday while they were doing strength and conditioning i was just walking around like this is unbelievable and during like the show i'm sitting there watching it and like just looking at all the fans and then, like, watching what's going on in the ring, and then I'm looking at the pictures, and I'm like, you know, this is, this moment here is going to be one of those moments on the wall. And I'm just like, it's it's kind of surreal to know that you're going to be part of that. Well, when you see the heritage on the wall, yeah. if that doesn't get you pumped up to want to yeah. be a professional wrestler, yeah. just that's what, That's what I love when I see other guys come in from other places, and then they just look at the walls and realize, like, okay, this isn't just an indie show. You know what I mean? This is the complete opposite of a regular indie show you know and you're in a building that it means something it's not some place that we just rented out for the night you know what i mean this is the monster factory you know it's the world famous monster factory for a reason right now um let's talk about some of the seminars at the monster factory because dan you bring in some of the best talent in the world like gerald briscoe what did you guys learn from him when he came Luis, we can start with you uh, me personally uh it was like the start of my reformation so to speak you know when i started getting proper shape and changing my diet. It was when he came in and, and uh, him and Danny pretty much, you know, sat me down and talked to me and said, you know, you have the tools to, you know, make it as far as you want. You just, you got to get the mental part down, which is, you know, 
goes with the you know dieting and working out. That's more mental than it is physical, really. You just have to be mentally strong. And then they he pretty much instilled that into me, you know, to help me out a lot with that. And it's just changed me completely. Um, but in overall, just all the talent, you know, I always say everybody has different opinions in this business. But when you could bring in the best minds, and if you could just take a little bit from everybody, and it's almost like you're molding the best pro wrestler. And that's what I try to do, just take a little bit that pertains to me from everybody and just better myself. Now, is it hard for you to, to grasp in the beginning? Like, because, like, you know, some wrestlers think they're all up here and then they realize they don't even know half the stuff when they get to, like, the WWE or NXT when they train with other other trainers. That's literally what happened to me. I mean, I thought I was great, you know. <laughs> and then I had a reality check, you know, when talking to some of these guys. And, uh, and I realized I wasn't and I, I didn't look good. I didn't look like a star that I thought I did. And, uh... But to your credit, like, I mean, you could have easily easily just like threw it away and just been like well what do they know what they're talking about but instead like you did what you needed to do to get to that next level which i thought was unreal because a lot of people would have just been like well everybody else tells me i'm awesome i can just go somewhere else and go wrestle i don't need this crap yeah it came down to i mean basically if i'm so great why am i not there you know and they pretty much put that in perspective and uh you know i listened and uh, you know, I appreciate it, and I love doing, uh, doing the seminars and bringing, you know, talking to the people that he brings in. It's just, like I said, for the mental aspect, it's really, really benefiting. How about you, KT? I'm a huge fan of seminars. I've never, like, especially seminars. I love listening to other people that talk about seminars. Like, I'm not going to waste my money. Okay, well, you're an idiot. And the reason <laughs> why is, I mean, and I always relate this when I talk to the students, uh, you know, about like a doctor, for instance. You know, they make a lot of money, but they also spend a lot of money to get that degree. You know what I mean? So... Anytime I find out of a seminar of someone that has, you know, uh, experience, more experience than I do, I'm going to go. You know what I mean? So the fact that we and we do that instead of us having to travel in the car loads and, you know, travel all over the country, we bring them to us. You know what I mean? And that was all Danny's stuff. And the guys that we're bringing in, I mean, they're not just, you know, Joe random. Yeah, yeah, Joe Schmoes. You know what I mean? They're like Les Thatcher. I mean. That guy trained Nigel McGuinness and Dean Ambrose and, you know, the list goes on and on. Rip Rogers, Gerald Briscoe. I mean, that's a direct link from the Monster Factory to the WWE is through Gerald Briscoe. Like, the fact that there's not a line of 5,000 people the first two years that we did it when it was open to the public, it's ridiculous, you know? Do you think it's the kids that just, they just don't understand? No, because they're scared. Yeah, they're scared of finding out the truth. Can I know? say the B word? Is that okay to say? That's what the B word is. You can hit the buzzer as he says it. Says it. Look at the bitches. <laughs> can I say that? Just is so okay. it works. Like they are, because I mean that angers me. It really does. Like now that you brought that up, is like that's why we we shut it off to the public, is because I would open it to the public, and there wouldn't be a line around the building, yeah. and I'm just like, I'm done with it. I'm just going to make it exclusive to our students, and that's like a benefit for our students, you know. These the special seminars we have will be just for our kids, you know. Screw everybody else, you know. It's right under the whole uh, eating the pizza, you know, when you don't pay for exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. Like you don't, you don't get the walk here. here you know? It's either you buy a ticket or you yeah. get a slice of pizza. It ain't both. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, just for the like, like professional wrestlers, the seminars help them. Danny, uh, I can only imagine seminars help you. Oh yeah, become a better coach. Well, not only helps me be a better coach, it helps validate us, because like. No, everybody from top to bottom was like, who the hell is he to own the Monster Factory? Who is he to coach anybody? That would just be weird, you know? Yeah, it would be weird. I mean, like, why would you listen to me? Yeah. But when these guys come in and Gerald Briscoe saying exactly what I say, 
and Rip Rogers and Les Thatcher. And then they are talking to me afterwards and calling me on the phone and we're communicating and the dialogue's continuing that it's a validation and it's kind of like, it feels good and it helps out the school and the kids because then they're like, I was down at the monster factory. You got to see how hard these kids work. You got to see what these guys do, what time they put in. That's why like, you ever notice you, you don't see a lot of wrestling schools showing what they do. I wonder why. So that's why I am sure to put out everything that we do periscope what we do because i'm proud of our kids and the hard work that they do but at the same time if they screw up i will bury them everywhere i possibly can because if i'm going to sit here and go like this and pat you on the back and i'm sure it's all going to go like this in front of everybody else and that's the middle finger it's not good for radio but there's cameras here so that's good yeah right now, was there one seminar where um you always remember and sticks out of your mind that that you probably the first gerald briscoe uh, coming in was awesome because um, that was right when I took over. It was 2012, and a lot of the kids were there, and they they were listening to me. But at the time, I remember one student, Mark Cruz, was like, you know, since Larry's not going to be here anymore, you think maybe you should bring in Tony Atlas as, like, a trainer so we have a name training us? And I'm like, really? I was like, because what I have to say isn't working? Well, no, it's not that, but it's just the name. And then, like, as Gerald starts talking, he's saying what – we were teaching and all the kids start going, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense now. Of course it does. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then that led to Steve Cutler getting signed and all that stuff, which was awesome. And it was, you know, the start of, you know, the fire under Luis's butt and all that stuff. So, like, that was, like, a, a good, you know, catalyst for, for the change that was coming. Now, so, so. How did you go about picking um, the people that will help you out, the trainers? Um, was that just something you just knew off the tip of your head, your mind? No, no, it, it was, it just fell into place. Like a lot of the things that happened with the monster factory, like, um, I'm big on like, um, trust and I don't let anybody in that I don't trust fully. And I'm the king of no cells. Like I will just ignore people forever. And if they keep coming around or, and if I and I don't give people what they want just to see if they'll keep doing things like we, we had this one guy who wanted to do radio for us or do something. So I kept ignoring him. And then like he just stopped contacting me. So I'm like, well, this kid doesn't want to bet enough. Forget it. I'll do it myself. Um, but when they kept, you know, bumping into QT and in, what was it, 2010 or 11? I think it was. And then yeah. you and, and, and like and then. We were all like almost on the same page all the time. And then like Bill Wiles stopped by just to see the school. And he's like, hey, you mind if I just come in to work out? And then it turned into, hey, do you mind if I work with the kids? Same with the Blue Meanie. I was like, Blue Meanie, you know, come on in, get in shape, man. You know, use the gym, this, this, and this. No, no, I really don't want to. Then he started coming in and like everything's just clicked. And it was never like an official announcement of like, these are the coaches, these are the trainers. But then, like, it just became, these are the coaches, these are the trainers. So now it is official. Like, these are my guys. And, like, it's I couldn't thank them enough. And uh, it works out great. Uh, they get to get in ring. Uh, it helps me with explaining things and getting in the ring. And it's just a, a, a huge machine that's working great. And there's, every once in a while, there's some egos. QT. But, like, there's... <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm right. <laughs> there's, but there's but there's never really like uh, any like beef. Like it's yeah. like because we don't hide anything. Like everybody just like 
we just say everything we want to say. We're like family, but like I actually like this family. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Because like I don't like my family. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing too. Is like I started coming around, and uh, you know, my thing is that I just want everyone to be great. You know, so if I get in there and someone's not doing something the right way, I'm gonna. Unfortunately, sometimes it takes two hours of everyone else's training time, but that's important to me because God forbid this guy's not doing something right or a girl and then all of a sudden someone gets hurt, you know, or I get hurt. That's the biggest thing. I'm not trying to get hurt, yeah. you know, but I, at the same time, I need ring time and I want to, like I said, I want the, everyone to be better because if everyone's better and then we're all on the shows, we're putting out a good product and that's just going to make more money for everybody, you know, and that's what it's all about, you know, and everyone's going to have the best training and people are going to know if you happen to get booked on an indie show and Dan says it's okay and you go to that indie show that, wow, this is a different type of talent, you know, and that's that's usually what happens. Now you, have, you had a chance to rush Daniel Bryan back in 2010, right? I did. Um, yeah. Kevin Steen, who's now Kevin Owens, mm -hmm. big in the WWE. Mm -hmm. Any favorite matches thus far? Or um, that you look back and like, wow, I wrestled? You know what? The Bryan match was just something that fell into my lap. I was down going back and forth from Florida to Puerto Rico, and he had just gotten released from WWE for the whole Nexus deal. And Savio wanted to bring him in, and it just they wanted him to win the belt that I – had that I never won. <laughs> I basically like lost the match, stole the belt, and I never, you know, won a match down there. And uh, I worked with him. Looking back on that match, it did give me a lot of exposure. But um, the thing that people don't know is that we went out for sushi earlier that day. And I remember I was there was a company that was going to start up in Florida that had spoken to him and myself. And then he just told me, you know, you should probably try to go to Ring of Honor if it's not working with WWE. You know, you're not going to get signed because of your look, you know. But if you can work, go to Ring of Honor. Looking back on that match, I wish I would have been a little more confident, you know, because, I mean, he beat me up pretty good. Uh, but it was good. You know, that was that was a fun match. Um, believe it or not, I, I had great times working with, like, guys like Jay Lethal, Kevin, uh, Jay Briscoe, uh, Roderick Strong. But believe it, a lot of the matches that I've had the most fun at, and I really like enjoy or at the Monster Factory or like a, a little indie show that I did back in, you know, 2010 in front of 35 people, you know, when I was really giving it my all, you know what I mean? And it's Ring of Honor is a, a different, different type of animal, you know, the crowds are a lot different. It's more, you know, uh, uh, it's a different type of atmosphere. Let's put it that way. So, like I said, I have a lot more fun at the Monster Factory now, you know, it's just it's my home, you know, and it's always more fun at home. Plus, Danny doesn't mind. He wants you guys to get out there. If you're at the Monster Factory too long, there's something wrong. Like, he wants to get you guys to the next with, level. With, within reason. Right. There's yeah. no right no way to right. do it. We, yeah. We've had the, this discussion, mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll do it on air because it'll be fun. Um, too many guys think, like, I'm trained, so I can just go. That's not the way it works. Like, what exactly. you do is you ask your trainer, mm -hmm. and there's a certain way to do it. Um, and I also don't want people, because, like, our name is on you. It's our stamp. And if you go someplace and you don't represent us well, or you go to someplace that is the absolute craps, and they're like, oh, Monster Factory guys are here. Now you just validated that crap indie. And that drives me nuts. But there's also, like, Luis asked me if he can go and do things. Like, QT will go, like, I'm going here. Is that okay? Like, they don't have to. But they do. Um, Ian Riccoboni just asked me, you know, because he's going to be doing something for Ring of Honor. He's like, hey, Dan, uh, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely go. But then there's people who just go, I'm going. Well, that's not the way it works. You, that's not asking. That's telling me. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's where the, the disrespect to your trainers is. And that's that's one thing I have no, you know, use for. Because, like, 
if I'm going to go and do everything I can for you, everybody, like I tell everybody, like when somebody gets signed, I don't get money. Like people got parts for movies. I don't get money from that. Uh, these guys go to ring of honor. I don't get money for that. Um, Cutler got signed to WWE. I don't get money for that. So like these guys potentially can make hundreds of thousands of dollars to millions of dollars. And I don't get any of that. So like to have enough wherewithal and, and sense and, and, and common courtesy to ask permission to do things. If I'm doing all this for you when the payoff is so huge yeah. and the payoff for me is so minute, you know, that's, that's what pisses me off. Yeah. That's why I kind of, I remember I wrote on Facebook one time that I wish there was like a, a written test for professional wrestling that you had to pass or you could, no one would book you on a show. But unfortunately that's not the reality. The reality is whoever's going to come in and set up the chairs and work as cheap as possible can get on a show, you know, and it's not like I always related to like a, uh, like baseball. You can show up, and maybe they have an extra uniform, and they'll let you play. But as soon as you strike out the first time, and then you strike out the second time, you're benched. You're not playing anymore. Unfortunately, in independent wrestling, it's a, you know it doesn't matter because usually the promoter doesn't really have a clue what's going on. They don't care. They're just in it for the money and to stroke their own ego. So we try to to limit that as best as possible. And the way it is is like you said, if if the student asks, hey, this opportunity has come up. And if Dan says no, well, that's your – well, you haven't passed yet. You know, and it's, it's hard for a lot of people to swallow that pill, especially in pro wrestling, because there isn't a right or wrong, you know. But you you can look as soon as someone walks in the ring, or I can, especially as a coach, and just tell if this person's going to be good or they're yep. not, you know. And we've done it before. You know, like they have no shot in the world, you know. Yeah. Now, how important is it for you to have the um, people who are inspiring to be a professional wrestler to know the history and the knowledge? It's very important. I mean, I try to explain to all these guys that, you know, I watch pro wrestling daily, you know, and usually like four or five hours a day, I'm watching something that has to do with professional wrestling, uh, whether it's, you know, actual matches or uh, documentaries, anything like that, just to, to learn as much as I possibly can. Like, why wouldn't you? First of all, we all started as fans. Exactly. So if you start as a fan, like, you should want to watch it regardless. And then on top of that, now you know the inside out, the secrets, you know, and like magic, for instance, I love magic. I don't know how to do it. So like the other night I'm watching like America's Got Talent, the guy's doing a magic trick. And then I'm on YouTube, like trying to find out how they do that trick, you know, because that's, you know, that's the fun in it, you know, and with wrestling, I mean, okay, there's a certain way to sell this, blah, blah, blah. Then you watch that match and then you see how it happened and then you see it all come to fruition. You're like, man, this is great. You know, and it, it's hard to understand that concept. But once you do understand it, that's really where the fun starts, you know? Yeah. How about you, Luis? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I'm the same way. I, I try to watch as much wrestling as I can, you know, and study as much as I can. So when people come in and they don't know any history, uh, it's almost like offensive now. Yeah. Uh, I, I get mad. Like, how could you not know that? And I'm not talking about know every single person ever. But there's like a basics, like there should be a book, you know, or a video, like the basic knowledge of wrestling that you should know. And uh, you mean like Bruno Martino? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yes. Tell, Somebody tell said it. that. Is that the guy that used to film for us? I guess so. Oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah. I won't. I won't bury the person who said that. That's um, great. But yeah, but things like that—that that, that's insulting, and I, I feel like that should be insulting to a lot of people in this business, especially people that are in charge of places where you want to go and work for. So it's very important. And that's another thing that we do at the factory. We instill knowledge. And that's why like, when we bring in this, you know, speakers, you know, they 
tell stories. They explain things. And, and it's just, it's not just in-ring knowledge. It's not just how you could do a clothesline, you know. It's the back story. And, and like I said, I'm a big fan of the mental aspect of wrestling and everything that goes with showmanship. Just the pole, you know, the in-ring stuff is very important, obviously, because it is professional wrestling. But it's not everything. There's a lot more to go into the business than besides the in-ring, actual in-ring stuff. And I think knowing your history is very important. Like QT, I watch a lot of wrestling and I, I, I listen to podcasts. And I'm always trying to learn and, and know something that I didn't, even if it's something from the past. So I, I believe that that's something that's missing a lot today. And if, if that was instilled legit, that test, um, we would have to have a lot less wrestlers out there. And we'd make a lot more money. 100%. Yeah. Better product, too, probably. Yeah. Because uh, I, I don't know if you were there for it. Were you there when we watched NXT? At the, at the, well, one day I came back from the hospital, and uh, there was an NXT show coming up. So I told everybody we were going to train. But then I set up the projector, and I let them watch NXT as, like, a treat. Because, like, I was in the hospital. They had the show. You know, I wasn't there. They did a good job, blah, blah, blah. So... As we're watching it, I hear some people talking. I'm like, listen, you're watching this as students of the game. Study it, watch it, pay attention to watch the ref, watch the mannerisms, watch the entrance, everything. So as it's going on, Enzo and Cass come out. And the lights are down in the building. And like, there's like five or six of them actually doing his catchphrase, word for word. Like I used to do when I was little with yes, Road Dog. Yes, as like, you know, as a child, as an infant. Like, these, this is what's going on. So I let it happen, and they're all laughing. And I look over to him, and I go, who is the first WWWF heavyweight champion of the world? Silence. And I said, and that's the effing problem. And I said, shut your damn mouth. And that drove me nuts, not only because they didn't know that it was Buddy Rogers, but also that Buddy Rogers was the original owner of the Monster Factory with Larry. And not to know the history of that drove me nuts. But none of them could see that, why that's important which wound up losing a student later that day because I went off on something else. But that's another story. You know, I haven't really been watching the, the Tough Enough, but I happened to catch a, a, a segment. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. And they were talking about history. Knowledge is nothing. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? You know you know what stood out to me? Hulk Hogan's face yeah. when mm -hmm. it pertained to that person, how angry he was that that person didn't know anything. He didn't think that was funny at all. Like, oh, some of the guys yeah. were laughing. He was mad. Yeah, he was. Well, just that being on TV angers me because, you know, I watch Monster Factory TV and that's more entertaining than what I'm seeing. Like, like you know, swimming in the ocean with sharks, okay, yeah, it shows your test of fortitude. But, Stupid. you know, you go to Monster Factory, you see what you do every day. Yeah. Like, you know, the training. And, you know, I love when he puts you guys on the spot and says 30 second um, face or, or, you know, heel video. That's, he drops us. <laughs> You know, like stuff like that. Like, you know, you're testing them right then and there. You know, and I, I love that. You know, like even you, you had to do a promo a couple times just to get it right, the 30-second promos. Yeah, yeah, In the back. That happens, you know, and uh, that, that's what we do. You know, honestly, it's every aspect. You, the factory is not just in-ring. Um, it has a lot to do with also, uh, I mean, QT brought it up. We, do a, we, we train athletes as well. We're not just pro wrestling. We don't have just Well, now, the you know, wrestlers are athletes now. This yeah. isn't the 80s where you can have the beer belly and run around and blah, blah, blah and, and do this. They don't want the bar brawlers anymore. They want athletes. They want elite athletes that they're going to invest in. I would have made a lot of money back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and also how to act. 
you know, in and out. Like he was talking about asking permission. You know, QT always talks about that. How how you go, how you present yourself, how you show up dressed, and you know, uh, that's something that a lot of places don't do. And, and it's just not because they don't know. It's just because just they feel like that's not what we're doing here. You know, that's not what we get, you know what we want to do. We just want to go in the ring and do moves. Yeah. We're over here. You know, guys like like QT and Dan, they care a lot about you know professionalism and acting a certain way and just way when. People speak of us. They speak of they speak of us in the highest form possible. Yeah. yeah. Now, what what motivates you, Luis, um, to keep keep going in this business to get to the next level? I, that's a hard question because I just love I love this business. I love it so much. Everything. So when I wake up, sometimes I'm like, man, I just want to get in the ring and wrestle. Man, I just want to cut a promo. I just want to go work out. I I want to explain stuff to people today. You know, I want to show somebody how to do something. Um, when we when we do the shows, I, I want to work with the younger guys and put their matches together and explain to them the psychology. So what motivates me is just the business itself. Like I love wrestling. There, there's no, you know, it's not I'm motivated because I want to make a lot of money. I'm motivated because I just want to be famous. You know, no, it's the business itself. I, I that motivates me. It's just it's the actual business. And Dave, besides people showing up, what motivates you? I can't even explain it. I I tried. I I, I put it on Facebook one time. Like, if someone asks you, why do you love your wife? You can't really explain it. Like, why do you love your kids? Like, well, they're so cute and cuddly. No, you can't explain why you love your kids. You can't explain why you love wrestling. It's just, like, part of your DNA. Like, I can't explain what about it. All I know is, like, I, I don't know if I could, like, live without it. Like, that's how much I love it. Like, right now, my family is at, at the shore. They take vacations without me because they know wrestling's my life. And they accept that, and that's fine. So that's why, like, I love to laugh at people when they go, well, you know, I got to go to such and such because of such and such. I'm like, I have two kids and a wife, and they're at the shore right now with their grandmother for four days, and I'm here. Sacrifice. So you can have a building, and, and you know your matches will be edited and all this stuff. But, hey, you know, if you got to go take your girl to go see, uh, you know, the Minions movie, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, great. I'd break up with my girl. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> right? How about you, QT? 2004, you, you stepped foot, you know, in the ring, you know. Now you're still. What motivates you? To be honest, what motivates me is the fact that I know how good I am, and I need to prove it to everybody else because I know how good I am. Now, it's not just proving it to everybody else, but also myself that if I stop, like if I were to stop right now, I have this conversation with another guy that trained at the Monster Factory with me. We started together. And he's like, man, but yeah, but you've been told by X person and Y person how great you are. And like, that's good enough. Like, you know, you've done a lot of stuff. And it's like, yeah, I have. But I don't even think I've even like come close to to getting to that next level. You know what I mean? And uh, honestly, it's unfortunate. But the way I, I am as a person, I always need a, some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. So, uh, you know, if I, and if that light shows up, like, for instance, in tax day, April 15th, I get an email from the WWE. Hey, we want you to be in uh, Nassau Coliseum and on Memorial Day. Man, I got five and a half weeks to get in shape. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. I was like, oh, my God. Okay. I wasn't expecting that, you know. I was expecting to do the Gerald Briscoe seminar, and hopefully that was going to pan out for me. And I knew that wasn't until June, so I wasn't going 100%. And this was something, like, I always try to explain to the students. Like, you have to always be ready. I don't follow my own advice, but that's just the type of person I am. And, uh, you know, that's usually what motivates me is like, all right, I see something coming up. So, I, okay, I don't have a choice, you know, because I'm not going to get out there 
and, you know, look like crap. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, to, to actually get those opportunities and, you know, that that's what motivates me is uh, being able to stick it to everybody else, basically. Yeah. Or even you know? hearing it from a four horseman himself, Arn Anderson. Talk yeah. about that story, man. How was you that? You know, honestly, they, they just sit around the ring before the show and we get to do our, like, tryout match. And he was talking with Kevin Steen or Kevin Owens. And they were just, you know, shooting, talking about whatever they were talking about for the night. And then it got real quiet as I started performing with uh, Will Farrar from Ring of Honor. Afterwards, I go to catering. I'm eating, of course, because I didn't have to worry about <laughs> being in shape. Uh, so I had like five cookies, I think. Peanut butter cups. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, I'm walking in the hallway and he pulls me aside. He's like, hey, uh, you know, first I thought it was funny because he said, was that you in the red earlier? Like, there was two matches. You know, one guy was black. <laughs> like, obviously it was me, you know. And I'm like, yeah, that was me, you know, being polite. He's like, uh, I just want to tell you, you did a hell of a job. You know, uh, we see a lot of matches here. And uh, it's it's not very often that uh, somebody's match makes me actually stop the conversation that I'm in to watch. And you did that. And wow. uh, he said, if you know, if you don't get hired here, it's not going to be because of a lack of talent or heart. And we would have made a lot of money together back in the 80s and stuff. So that was that was pretty cool to hear. Uh, you know, so, of course, I went straight Could to Vince McMahon. No, I didn't do that. But, uh, <laughs> I wanted to. I was looking for him. And uh, I even, you know, contemplated talking to Triple H. And But I was like, you know what? Let's just see how this pans out, you know. I don't want to get thrown out of the building <laughs> yeah. or anything. But uh, it was pretty cool, you know. Uh, talk about opportunities. ROH came knocking. You've been doing stuff with them. Yeah. Uh, actually, this is where the seminars come into play. I went to knock to uh, on ROH's door. They had a seminar in 2012, and I said, you know what? Maybe I'll listen to Daniel Bryan, and I'm going to go there and see what it is. It was 2011. I said, let me see what this is. You know, I got there. I said, man, it ran by Jim Cornette and Charlie Haas, you know, and Delirious and Kevin Kelly. Well, that's got to be easy to cater to their needs. I mean, Jim Cornette, like, you don't have to do anything in front of him. Just show character, you know. And I remember going in the the promo room after the first half of the day, and I was a little nervous. I messed up my promo. I said, hey, can I just start again? I just remember Jim looking at me. He said, listen, I don't know, like, how, why you're nervous, but as far as I know from what you can do in the ring, I don't care as long as you speak English. He's like, you basically got the job. And I was like, oh, okay. So my promo just was perfect, you know. I was not, you know – nervous at all after that and then uh you know logistics and economics came into play and i had to move back up to new jersey in 2012 and within i did one dark match and one tag match and i was signed to a contract you know so uh you know not that it's that easy but uh, when you're god's gift i guess it is it was definitely but that's the other thing like i had attained that goal and I kind of was like, well, let me try to use this as a stepping stone to get to WWE instead of like everyone else in Ring of Honor. They're like, man, I don't want to go to WWE. You know, I'm a rebel. I'm going to just go out there and do everything under the sun and, you know, make pe- the Ring of Honor fans love it. And I didn't do that. And I wish I would have, believe it or not. You know, my body would hate me more than it already does. But at the same time, you never know the opportunities that could could have came up because of doing that instead of just playing it safe, you know. So, uh, yeah, we uh, Luis and I are going to start teaming up. Uh, June 25th we'll, or July 25th in Baltimore will be there. So, uh, you know, keep your eyes open. Exclusive. Exclusively. Nice. Uh, I believe, you know, my first run in Ring of Honor didn't go too well. So now I, I aligned myself with the wrong people. So it's time to bring in some of my friends and try to help, you know, let them watch my back because the other guy really didn't do so. That was a question we had from our Facebook listeners. Somebody asked, have you guys worked each other? Yes. Multiple times. Talk about yes, that. Yes, we have. Yeah. Uh, 
I believe the not the first time maybe, but like that I can remember was in front of Gerald Briscoe. Yeah, Briscoe. The first year match, and uh, yeah, it was the main event match. He was definitely not happy with the the amount of false finishes because he loves a vertical <laughs> suplex as a finish. But, uh, he's old school. No, and, QT you know, was a good match, but a lot of false. Yeah, way too many. <laughs> but uh, no, it was. I love working with Luis. You know, in fact, the the camp that he went to for Ring of Honor. Every time they do a seminar, I try to go just to really keep proving that I'm better than every single person that's there. And uh, and you do. And to show and that I you're do. God's gift. And to yeah. show that it's not a fluke, yeah. you know, and Jim Cornette had nothing to do with me getting there. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I even pitched the one time we were there, I said, let me work Louise and Kevin Kelly. Ah, I mean, you guys training. I, let me work Louise. Like, you know what I could do, but I don't want him to get stuck in there with somebody that isn't going to, not that he can't have a good match with anyone, because he can. And they, right off the bat, you're going to be able to tell who's good and who's not good. But, He's a Monster Factory guy. He's my friend. I want to give him the opportunity to have the best match. And I knew at that time, you know, besides him, I was the best guy there. So we did the match. It was, you know, we had a lot of fun. They put it over like crazy. Uh, you know, and then he's been going down there and in more contact with them than I am. And he called me up and said, hey, we're, we're booked. <laughs> I said, all right, let's How do it. How did feel, man? Oh, it was great. Uh, delirious pretty much uh, pulled me aside and said, uh, you guys are getting an opportunity. And I was like, that's all I need because uh, I think we're both at a, a, a at a place now as in this business where, you know, where he could say things like, I am God's gift of professional wrestling. And I'm like, you know what? That's all I need is an opportunity because we're going to knock it out of the park and we're going to, we're going to, everybody's going to walk out of that arena remembering our match. They're going to remember us. Like I have, I have that attitude. You know what? Yeah, I'm pretty good at this. And then, and then after that, they're going to be coming to Danny finally and being like, hey, asking you for opinions now probably, right? Yeah, that'd be weird. Yeah, <laughs> really weird. Yeah. And that's that's the other thing, too, is like Danny said something about having a chip on your shoulder yesterday. I never had a chip on my shoulder until now. You know, I never did because I don't – I'm not into that kind of stuff. You know, I'm just focusing on me and whatever. But now I have a chip on my shoulder because I see what, what else is out there and I see the opportunities being handed to other people – and it's like, you know what, I'm going to go out there now and maybe I will be the first match on the show, but it's going to be the best, you know, and I don't care how much trouble I'm going to get in with all the boys because at the end of the day, when the fans are going crazy and they're having a good time, that's what matters. You know, you're not going to bench somebody for putting on a good show. It's just not going to happen. Those guys are going to continue to move up and move up, you know, and it's, you know, like I said, it's not a mentality that I used to have, but I have it now. And, uh, you know, I, I started, you know, what really got me now is, you know, I'm going to bring up the whole documentary thing. And that basically it's, they chose me to do a documentary. And I started talking about all my stories and just things about my life and my career. And I realized like, it's a lot more than a lot of other people have. And there's a reason for that, you know, and whether it's just dumb luck, like the Daniel Bryan thing, whether it's hard work, you know, which <laughs> I don't really think so, but, uh, or maybe it's, uh, you know, just being in the right place at the right time and spending the money on that extra, you know, seminar or whatever it is like people ask me oh, how'd you get started working with wwe you know to do nxt or whatever it was well i went to a seminar that was four days and a thousand dollars that everyone laughed at me for and within six months i made that money back like double you know they started using me right after that so i was like who's the idiot you know it's not me yeah. you know i'm living up you know living my dream being a part of triple h's wrestlemania entrance dressed as a gladiator like did you get to do that no because you didn't sign up for that seminar where i got to learn 
and get on their radar. You know what I mean? It's, they're not going to come knocking on your door. You know, so that I, even when we do our seminar, man, there was two professional wrestlers there, or they call themselves professional wrestlers on a three-day camp. The rest were all non-wrestlers. And I'm looking at, like, our place should have been full of professional wrestlers that want to get better, even if, let's just put it out there, even if uh, they don't want to learn. It's a foot in the door. Like, you know, in, like anything in life, you need to know the right people as well. You got to be good at it, and you got to know the right people. So the fact that you don't want to be there and try to get in front of a guy like Gerald Briscoe, like, what if you're just a jack bodybuilder and you can somewhat move? Like, Briscoe's going to say, wow, I really see something in that guy. And Danny's going to say, well, he's got two left feet. Give us a year. Come back. See him again. Wow, you know, and we'll, we're going to teach him. You know, if we know someone's on their radar, we're not going to, like, oh, well, we're not going to teach that guy anything, you know. We can't show him anything, right. you know. Oh, we want everyone to get signed, you know. As much as I want to get signed, I want everyone to get signed because I know if everyone's getting signed and Danny's making a lot of money, that school is just going to be better than it already is, which I don't think it's possible. But, of course, you know, renovation and stuff like that, I mean, you know, sky's the limit. That's yep. the thing. Being a trainer and training the young guys, you guys are both trying to get to the ultimate goal. You know, of course, I tell them all the time, as much as like I'm teaching you guys stuff, this is a competition. Yeah. So when that seminar comes and Gerald's here, you have to outwork me because I'm not going to let you outwork me, yeah. you know. So uh, even <laughs> I remember Gerald came and I was just going to be a coach. That's what I was going there for, strictly to be a coach. And Gerald right away was like, well, I want to see some good stuff out of you. You know, and I was like, uh, okay. So, I mean, within 10 minutes, my whole spray tan was like, I thought I was only going to wrestle that night. My whole spray tan was on my bright green shirt, you know. And I was, but you know what? We did the five 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 drill, and I got in there with Nick, who's in a tremendous athlete. And I was not going to let him show me up. And I remember even, like, doing the drill and be like, I'm almost 30, Nick. Keep up with me. You know what I mean? It's like. You know, it's great. That's competition. You now, need that. Now, what is the five-five-five drill for those that don't know? Basically, uh, it's a warm-up drill that we do, and it is terrible. <laughs> no, yeah. it's great less, for less you. Less stats were started years ago. Mm -hmm. And basically, you uh, we Irish whip each other five times, then reverse it. Then you'll go into a uh, leapfrog drop down five times, reverse it, and then it'll be five up and overs, and then reverse it. And uh, I always say, like after the third leap down, uh, leapfrog drop down is when you like have passed your blow up point and you can finish. But like in between the first one and the third one, you're like, I don't think I could do this anymore. But then you hit that part and you're like, oh, this is easy. All right, I can get through this. It's just a really good ring conditioning uh, tool without beating up your body. You know, it's it's good good cardio and it's good warm up. Good now, warm up. now talk when you, you did do some dark matches with WWE, how's that like? You know, do you just show up and then they just point you in the direction so, to go? <laughs> I think what they do is they they look at, you know, who's there because there's usually more than one. And then they try to put the contrast between the guy that they want to put over and the extra talent. You know, So if this guy is tall and jacked and this guy's short and fat, they're going to use the short and fat guy as opposed to you know, the other guy. They want their guys to look better. And one of the things that I'm really good at is making other people look great. And uh, it's a great thing to have in your back pocket, but also it could be the enemy as well because then you only get looked at as the guy, well, let's bring him in again. And it keeps like that drug, you know, you just get another hit of it and you're like, oh man, all right, I'm almost there. But really you're just there to make their guy look great, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but uh, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. I, I love doing it, you know? I just love the atmosphere, you know? I talk to everybody. I see the other extras, they're all just like sitting on their hands. They don't want to do anything. I'm like, man, I'm here to have fun. Like, yeah. when, when am I going to get, like WrestleMania, for instance, I'm sitting at a table with Sam Shaw at the time and The Rock and Stone Cold are sitting at the next table over. Like, 
1997 all over again, you know? <laughs> like, this is amazing, you know? So. Now you got the documentary going on. Um, yeah. This not is, a lot of big things. So what's the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is to, to go to WWE, you know? Uh, that's always been the goal since day one. And, you know, Frank and... Uh, he came up to me. He, he actually came to a show at the Monster Factory. I know his brother from down in Florida. He came to a show. He wanted to train, and then he realized, you know, I think he realized, like, what actually goes into it, and he's a film graduate from Full Sail University, which works with NXT, and, yeah. like, it's one of those things that everything came together. I let him know from the beginning, hey, if it's going to be about me, you know, a big part of my life is the Monster Factory, so I want to get that out there, and just every little thing possible that we can put out there to know you know, it's not just the QT Marshall story. It is, but it's not at the same time because you get to see everything, you know, and that's what because that's my life. It's everything. You know, when it comes to my private life, I'm I'm very private. I don't have, a, you know, I have like three or four good friends. That's it. You know, I don't I'm not one of those guys. that's always going out and all this. No. But when it comes to wrestling, yeah, I want everyone to see that because that's what I love. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's fun. I mean, it is a little crazy having you know a camera with you when you're in the spray tanning booth and stuff like that. But it's cool, you know. I mean, it's you get to see all these different people. Like, what are you, what are you doing? What is this guy? We were in the gym, and I'm like, when someone asks you, tell him I used to be 900 pounds. Like, why are you filming me work out? You know, or tell him I'm going to the Olympia just to mess with people because I, you know, I think that's funny, you know. And <laughs> it's none of their business. On the subway diet. Right. Yeah. Just don't. Hit that button. That took a that took a, took a new spin. <laughs> New diet. Ish. Yeah, right. Now, Danny, um, the weeks then to now, what are your thoughts? What, what he started yeah. to now? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, he was, what were you, almost 300? I was over 300. I was about 320. And now he's like 240. So it's, uh, I'm very proud of him. And uh, he keeps on working. And, you know, he could easily take off, you know, the foot off the gas pedal and, and, and put on cruise control. But he keeps on coming in and keeps on working hard. And always wanting to help out with the kids, and uh, I can't thank them enough. Both these guys can't thank them enough. Let's pull back the curtain for a second, Frank. Come here, talk about what's been the exciting part about making the documentary. Um, Get right up on the mic. Danny Cage and QT Marshall allowing us to come into the Monster Factory and uh, getting all the footage that we had. You know, it was crazy. Last month we started, and now we have Gerald Briscoe, Matt Riddle, everybody in our documentary. And now we're going to continue, and we're going to try to get a. Uh, Bubba Ray Dudley, if he's listening, we're going to try to get you done. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's about it. I'd just like to thank those guys for, you know, helping us get this out there. Excellent. Definitely. And the younger generation, you guys talked about the younger talent the Monster Factory. Mm-hmm. Who were some guys that impressed you so far? At the school? Yeah. Uh, of course, Clutch. I mean, Clutch is – and it's not just, like, what he can do out there. It's the person. You know, as a he's the biggest goofball in the world. <laughs> yes, he is. But he, he wants to learn. You know, they're, like – there's just so many things about him that I would put him in front of, I mean, and Riddle. Riddle's a character, you yeah. know. I mean, he, that's a fun guy to be around. You can't but, stay uh, mad. Like, we were just talking about yesterday because, like, I was so livid at him the other day. And I started, like, yelling at him. He just started smiling at me. And I yeah. just wanted to hug him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you don't want to hug too many people, you know. No, I don't. I Definitely pretty much not. hate everybody. <laughs> no, I'd like to thank you guys so much for coming up. God's gift to professional wrestling documentary guys definitely check it out when it comes out and uh best of luck to you man yeah we're not too far away from baltimore either so uh come out to ring of honor tv uh we're gonna start a new chapter uh in the the monster factory and uh 
I'm pretty excited for it. So. Those yeah. in the Baltimore area go there. Those in the Monster Effect area in Paulsboro come to our, our <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> comes full circle. Yeah, That's right, yeah. baby. And Luis, Try to hit some more. Coming up, man. And uh, no, if you guys get your DB match, man, come on back up. Talk about it. Talk about the new tag team and representing the Monster Factory, of course. That'll be our pleasure. Definitely. Yeah. Now, guys, check out the potomac.com slash completely damaged page. And uh, remember, always keep it completely damaged on the radio on monkoradio.com. Monsterfactory.org. That's right.